Though building resiliency in yourself and the different sectors of your life is always a good idea, in today's world, it is absolutely critical. To reduce the concept of resiliency down to its core, you can just reduce it down to two things. When something is resilient, it is able to adapt in the face of adversity, and it is able to withstand adversity. This means in order to have resilience, something has to be able to withstand and to adapt. You can take this concept and apply it to literally everything to see how resilient that thing is. I'll give you some examples. If your positivity depends entirely upon something good happening to you, that's not a resilient mentality. Having a mentality of it being up to you and in your power to create something good to feel positive about is an example of a more resilient mentality. Or let's say that your finances are solely dependent on a boss who gives you a paycheck. And that boss could easily fire you, and if he does, you've lost your only stream of income. This means your finances are not resilient. On the other hand, making sure that your finances come from multiple streams of income, so that if one is cut off, you still have other streams of income, is a more resilient financial strategy. Or let's say that rupture is inevitable in relationships. So what creates security in your relationships is your ability to resolve rupture. But if you don't know how to create resolve in relationships, or if the people you are in a relationship with are not interested in creating resolve, your relationships are not resilient. On the other hand, if you know how to resolve rupture when it occurs in a relationship, and have relationships with people who want resolve, your relationships are more resilient. The reason to create resiliency is not because the universe is against you. The reason to create resilience is because you want to be able to depend upon the fortitude of not only yourself, but the things in your life, especially if those things were to encounter oppositional forces. I do need you to keep in mind that adversarial or oppositional forces are not necessarily malevolent things. For example, change can be adversity. Change can be an oppositional force. As so many businesses have figured out the hard way when they weren't able to adapt to the new, and so they weren't able to adapt to changes in the market or changes in purchaser trends. Over the course of our lives, it is a guarantee that all of us are going to encounter situations where the things we thought were resilient proved to not be as resilient as we thought they were. This situation puts us in an intensely vulnerable space. It's typical that it would scare us. And while this can't be completely prevented, you can actually mitigate the likelihood of this happening by consciously setting out to create resiliency. This decreases the likelihood of the negative manifestations of things like weakness, rigidity, fragility, vulnerability, failure, collapse, and loss. In order to do this, we have to deeply question how resilient something is in our life and consciously work towards creating resiliency instead. All this being said, here are some concrete tips for how to create resiliency. 1. Clearly recognize the things about you and the things in your life, sectors or things that are not resilient. The goal of this exercise is to get very specific. How resilient are you overall? How resilient is each one of your relationships? How resilient is your community? How resilient is the society in which you live and the structure of that society? How resilient is your lifestyle? How resilient are your finances? 
How resilient is your business? How resilient are your plans? How resilient is your sense of purpose and meaning? How resilient is your mentality? How resilient are you emotionally? How resilient is your health? How resilient is the environment in which you live? You should then break each sector of your life down into even smaller components. For example, instead of asking how resilient are my relationships, you can ask something like how resilient is my style of communication in my relationships? Instead of asking how resilient is my business, you can then break it down into how resilient is my plan for employee retention in my business? Instead of saying how resilient is my health, you can break it down into how resilient is my vascular system? Once you have answered these questions, given the information that you receive, you can go back to the drawing board to create a plan for creating something that is actually resilient instead. I want you to think about how can I make X, fill in the blank, stronger? Two, what is your contingency slash backup plan? So much resiliency can come as a result of having a backup or a contingency plan. Never take a thing for granted and assume it's forever. This is again something that a lot of people have found out the hard way. It's one of the reasons why so many pop stars and so many professional athletes are now bankrupt. Just keep in mind that a contingency plan applies to so many things, not just finances. An example of a contingency plan in a business is to have different plans for how to generate income and not to be dependent upon one product or one service only. An example of this relative to health is to say, I'm going to try this thing wholeheartedly, but if it doesn't work, I'm going to try this other thing. An example of this relative to a housing situation can be, I want to live here for right now, but if X, X, and X doesn't happen or does happen, I'm going to take on a roommate. Some people fear that by creating a contingency plan, that it's like lending energy to the idea that whatever bad or unwanted thing will happen. Obviously, this is a big problem within law of attraction-based or intentional creation-based communities. This is also one reason why so many people hate the idea of prenuptial agreements. It feels to them that if they're wanting to have faith in the fortitude of their marriage, a prenuptial agreement is like putting energy towards divorce or having no faith in the marriage. I want you to look at contingency planning in a completely different way. If anything, just like wearing a seatbelt in a car. What it can help you do is to stop focusing on the worst case scenario. It can make you feel more security and a sense of more fortitude, and therefore stop putting any energy towards whatever negative potential may exist. Therefore, a contingency plan doesn't just prevent you from being blindsided by adversity, it stops you from focusing energy towards adversity. Three, face and integrate your fears. Nothing destroys resiliency quite like unresolved fear. Nothing builds resiliency quite like integrating fear. When fear has control of us, what it's doing is sitting behind us outside of our conscious awareness. What we have to do in order to take that control back is to turn around and to face it directly. We need to become intimate with our fear. What does that mean to become intimate with your fear? It means to see it, to listen to it, to feel it, and to completely understand it. And with that information that we gain by doing so, understand how to resolve it. By doing this, that fear is no longer in control of us, and so other people can't control us with it. It's so easy to see how much stronger you will be, how much easier it is to withstand, and even to adapt by doing this. But in case you want to dive way deeper into this concept of fear, and how to integrate fear, and how to work with fear, I have an entire section of my book dedicated to fear. 
That book is titled The Anatomy of Loneliness. Four, build a support network. We live in a society that totally values independence and totally devalues and shames any form of dependence. But resiliency is as much about developing a sense of autonomy, what a lot of people call independence, as it is developing interdependence. The current structure and trend within society is set up so that we become more and more separate. It's set up so that a person becomes more and more self-sufficient with no dependency on other people, but a lot more dependency on the system. The thing is, spoiler alert, people need people. Human beings are a relationally dependent species. At some point, people are going to have to swallow that. Having a support network in your life and being a part of other people's support networks means you can add their energy and mental, emotional, and even physical resources to your measure of resiliency. There's a reason that some people with severe addictions end up on the street and some people don't. You know what it is? A support network. Guess what? One of the best ways to maintain a strong support network is to give. Lend your mental, emotional, and physical resources to others in order to support their resiliency. Something that early people who lived in community societies or tribal societies deeply understood is that another person's resiliency within your tribe adds to your resiliency. This is where we come up with concepts like a community is only as strong as its weakest link, right? Something that early humans understood, or even groups of people that live in communities or tribes deeply understood, is that the resiliency of other members of that group or tribe add to your own resiliency. So it's really critical to put your energy towards the resiliency of others. All that being said, this means that communication skills are a very important thing to develop. And I never want you to forget that collaboration may just be a very important key to resiliency because two minds are better than one, and many minds are better than two. Five, accept change when it happens, and accept that change will inevitably happen. Rigidity does not create resilience. Denial does not create resilience. The more adaptable, flexible, and on board with, instead of opposed to change you are, the better. Acceptance is the opposite of denial and avoidance. To accept something is simply to recognize it as valid and correct. A lot of people like to think that acceptance has to do with condoning something or liking something. Acceptance has nothing to do with that. It's simply being able to acknowledge something is valid enough to let that acknowledgement in instead of fighting to keep it out. To be resilient, you have got to be able to accept what is. You've got to be able to accept reality. To truly understand this, you can watch my video quite literally titled Reality. I want you to also ask yourself, what am I really afraid I might be in denial about or avoiding right now? And make a list. Denial runs deep, but it doesn't often run deep enough to silence that little voice in there that keeps telling you about an unpleasant truth. Then with each item on that list, I want you to ask, if the voice of denial were not so loud, what would the unpleasant voice underneath it be saying to me about the situation? See if you can really accept those truths. Meaning, see them as valid. Accept them as true, that's it. People who are prone towards denial love a sense of control. And I want you to recognize that even though you love a sense of control, you actually have none unless you're accepting reality or accepting that change has occurred. By not accepting the reality of something unpleasant, you can't do anything about it. 
This means eventually it gets out of hand and takes its own course, with or without your consent. Denial doesn't work. In case you know where you are and where you want to be, you cannot chart that distance or take appropriate action to get from point A to point B. I also need you to understand that by resisting this, you are wasting precious time fighting against what you can't make unhappen. And remember, because evolution and therefore change is the modus operandi of the universe itself, change is what will happen. Will you be ever on the lookout for and ride the wave of change or fight it when it comes? Because one strategy is the recipe for resilience, the other for collapse. I want you to just remember this. The more adaptable you are, the more resilient that you are. Six, change your perspective about adversity. We can't actually talk about resiliency without talking about adversity. One implies the other. The attitude that you have about adversity changes the way you respond to it. It also changes a whole host of biological mechanisms, such as the stress response, that takes place inside your body. What is your attitude about adversity? How do you respond when faced with adversity? Does that attitude and response bend you towards resiliency and success, or collapse and failure? People who tend to demonstrate the highest level of resiliency have this perspective that adversity makes them better, makes them more. It adds to them in some way instead of taking away from them. They take adversity as an invitation to change and to learn. They take it as a message to reevaluate their desires, their intentions, and their strategies. This doesn't mean that people who really demonstrate resiliency like adversity. Um, you should probably not go about it that way. I mean, don't try to get yourself to like adversity. No one really likes adversity. All I'm trying to say is that people who really develop a high degree of resiliency see the value in adversity. They look for how to use it to their benefit. This means one thing you got to be really, really sure about is that you are very careful about the meaning that you assign to adversity. A mal-assigned meaning can destroy resiliency. To understand more about this, watch my video titled Meaning, the Self-Destruct Button. And don't forget to seek positive meaning to whatever it is you're experiencing. 7. Develop self-efficacy. Self-efficacy when it comes to building resilience is the belief or confidence in your ability to overcome challenges and to withstand and succeed in the face of adversity. You're going to find that you have a lot more self-efficacy in certain areas of your life than others. For example, let's say that I was going to throw somebody who had a lot of confidence in the kitchen into a kitchen to make a recipe, but there was a lot of ingredients missing. That person's going to be able to feel a lot more self-efficacy in that situation and therefore a lot more confidence because of the confidence they have in their ability to cook. Now, if I was to throw somebody who didn't feel a lot of confidence in the kitchen into that very scenario, they would immediately get overwhelmed and maybe even give up. I want you to really recognize and let yourself resource the areas in which you feel a high degree of self-efficacy, those areas you feel superbly confident about. I want you to let yourself really feel your strengths. And when you find an area in which you feel you lack that self-efficacy or confidence, I want you to ask yourself, what would it take for me to feel confident in my ability relative to this thing? These areas are areas in which learning and practice to develop knowledge and skill will go a long way. Think of it this way. A person who knows how to grow their own food would feel a lot more self-efficacy regarding a food shortage in the system. You're looking to think and do things that cultivate the feeling that you can not only cope with what happens, don't forget that for me coping is a little bit of a swear word, but also succeed with what happens. The more competent you feel and are, the more self-efficacy you will experience. 
Eight, always focus on and put your energy towards what you can control instead of on what you can't. When we encounter can'ts or closed doors, it's really tempting to get super overwhelmed with those things and to lose all of our focus, energy, and attention on what can't happen, what isn't working. Essentially, we become completely absorbed in what we can't control and lose total focus on what we can control. But if something's out of your control, then by definition, you have no personal power there. So probably it isn't the greatest place to focus. Instead, look for whatever you do have power about in the situation at hand. Look for the window that's open when you have no control over a door being closed. Do not remain focused on what you can't do. What can you do? Because personal empowerment is such an important element of resiliency, it may benefit you to watch my video titled Take Your Power Back. Nine, find or create purpose. Purpose creates resiliency. End of story. Before you start panicking, thinking you have to figure out what your entire life purpose is, don't panic. Because even though life purpose gives perhaps the most amount of resiliency to a person that you could possibly imagine, all purpose brings resiliency. And you don't have to know it. You can actually create or find it. You can look for purpose or even create it in any scenario you find yourself in. For example, a person might feel their resiliency waning because of unjust treatment. But all of a sudden, they may come up with the purpose of doing whatever they're doing for the sake of people being treated in a more just way in the future. And suddenly, because their purpose extends just beyond them, they've found that purpose or created that purpose for themselves. Suddenly, they have a lot more resilience to go through everything they need to go through, including unjust treatment. With purpose, you can withstand a great deal more and for a great deal longer. People cannot withstand pain without purpose. People can't really strongly get their own energy behind them in something without purpose. So come up with that purpose. Genuinely look for and come up with the purpose that makes all of your personal energy back you up in a thing. Now, before you go ahead and think, I need to come up with some grand purpose, you can even do this for something as simple as washing the dishes. Maybe there's no real purpose behind washing dishes, but maybe you have a real interest in meditating. Now all of a sudden your purpose for doing the dishes is to do a present moment meditation and suddenly that presence gives you the resilience to be able to do it without giving up or getting frustrated. 10. Deliberately positively focus. Now positive focus is a bit of a slippery slope, I'm going to warn you. Why? Because positive focus is something you can use as a tool of resistance. You can use positive focus to avoid or deny the negative. If you're using the tool of positive focus that way, it's not going to benefit you at all. In fact, it's going to get you in a whole heap of trouble. Oh, and just in case you were wondering, the reason that people do this is because they don't think they can cope with whatever negative realities in front of their face. This disempowers them. Why? Because if you're a person who does this, then you're not in reality and you can't have power outside of reality. That being said, as long as this is not a way that you're using positive focus, meaning you're not in avoidance mode or denial mode, <laughs> another thing that builds extreme levels of resistance is positive focus. Now, some of you who are watching this may have a little bit of a resistance to positive focus, and it's here that I'm going to get you guys. Reality contains both polarities. In any circumstance, you could come up with a whole host of positive things about that experience and negative things about that experience. To be in reality is to see both sides of that coin at the same time. And a lot of people are really good at seeing the negative side without the positive side, and that's a recipe for lack of resilience. 
So, recognizing the positive and making lists of positives and developing optimism is something that you need to do in order to create resilience. Deliberately practicing this will increase your ability to withstand, endure, adapt, and succeed. 11. Answer this question. What would give me energy? Having more energy increases your resiliency, but ironically, going directly and consciously for what gives you energy is not something that a lot of people are consciously in the practice of. The answer to this question, what will give me energy, is going to be different from person to person and even different from moment to moment. I'll give you some examples of what I mean. For one person, being social will give them energy. For another, it will take energy away. For one person, running will give them energy. For another, it will take energy away. For one person, taking a salt bath may give them energy. For another, it may take energy away. For one person, watching an intense documentary may give them energy. For another, it will take energy away. For one person, completing all the things on their to-do list right now will give them energy. For another, it will take energy away. So I want you to write a list of all the things that give you energy and pick items off of that list to do on a regular basis. Again, what I said is that this is going to change from moment to moment. So even though you have that list, you're going to have to ask yourself the question, especially whenever you feel a decrease in your personal energy, what will give me energy right now? And be open to being totally different on one day versus another day or even from moment to moment. 12. Think about resiliency as being the strength of the strategies that you have for adversity, adaptation, and withstanding and succeeding on a mental, emotional, and physical level. On a mental level, strategies could be things like learning, altering your perspective, critical thinking, problem solving, reasoning, creating plans, finding purpose and positive focus. On an emotional level, strategies could be things like expression, regulation, taking care of your own emotion and listening to the personal truth that's behind your emotion being conveyed by your emotion. On a physical level, strategies could look like taking action, doing something as opposed to thinking about it, making physical changes, building connections, creating a strong body through your diet, exercise, sleep, and lifestyle habits, and doing things that enhance your health and energy levels. Meditation is an example of something that can build strength in all of these areas. A person is really a layer cake of all of these layers of existence. To have resilience, you have to build strength on all of these different levels and never forget that the resilience or lack thereof on any one of these levels affects all the others. This means seek to create mental fortitude, emotional fortitude, and physical fortitude. As a small side note here before we end this video, I have to mention that one of the things that tests resiliency the most is a crisis. And a lot of you might be feeling like you're in a crisis right now. This means your resiliency is being tested. I've created an e-course to help you with this. How to thrive in a crisis. In this course, I will take you through in-depth lessons and also exercises for how to develop resiliency and how to thrive, not just survive in a crisis. If you want to learn more about this course, you can visit tealswan.com crisis. Resiliency does not make you immune to life's difficulties. You're still going to feel challenged. You're still going to feel pain. You're still going to feel negative emotion and experience unwanted things. The thing is, is that those experiences are not going to topple your tower. So in the name of resilience, I leave you with the words of author Elizabeth Edwards. She stood in the storm, and when the wind did not blow her way, she adjusted her sails. Have a good week. If you liked this video, be sure to share it, like it, and also subscribe to my channel so you can see more content like this.
but I want to personally thank you for taking the initiative and having the bravery to step into the space of awareness, not only for yourself, but for the benefit of those around you.